and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, we're continuing through our discipleship series called Life in Christ, where we're talking about what it means to be a disciple according to the scriptures, what the life of the disciple looks like here at Community Lutheran Church. Now this week, as we work through our series, we're making a bit of a transition. Uh, last, the last two weeks, we've really been focusing on God's work in the church. We've been focusing on what God's word does to us when we encounter it. So we've said that when God's word is spoken in the worship service, disciples gather to hear God's word in worship. This creates faith in our hearts, and it sustains that faith in our hearts. Last week, then, we talked about how disciples gather to study that word as we gather around the scriptures which the Holy Spirit has given to us. And disciples learn God's word together in Bible study. And the focus of those last two weeks has been primarily the work of God on us. What happens to us when we encounter the word? What happens to disciples when they hear and when they learn the word that God gives? The idea here has really been, the big idea of these last two weeks has been faith. What God is doing to us and what we receive. This week we're going to transition. And we're going to go from focusing on the faith of the disciple to more of the love of the disciple. We might say it this way, the last two weeks we've talked about what God does to us and for us, and now this week we're going to begin to talk about what God does through us as his people in this world. And we're going to do this by focusing in on this idea of care. Disciples are those who care for everybody that God gives them. Caring, we would say, is the natural outgrowth of faith. When we are hearing and learning the word of God, the Holy Spirit is creating this faith in our hearts, and this faith cannot help but be active. Remember our image of Psalm chapter 1, which we read this morning. Now, this tree planted by streams of living water, that water gets in there, and it causes the roots to grow deep, and it causes the trunk to grow strong, and that tree cannot help then but to produce fruit. To produce fruit. The fruit is the good works in the life of the disciple, the love and the care that just flows from being connected to the, to the word of God. We might think of it this way as well. Uh, Martin Luther once said that faith is this living, busy, active thing. It cannot help but be doing good works. It is incessantly doing them. This is what the life of the disciple is like. We're like, we're like hyperactive children. You know what it's like to be around hyperactive children? Yeah, me neither. But hyperactive children... Here's the deal. When they're overexcited and they're ready to go, they have all this energy. You need to direct them someplace. You need to give them something to do. Otherwise, that hyperactivity might begin to cause problems. Well, this is what it's kind of like for us as disciples. We've been given this gift of faith, and now we're hyperactive. We have to do something. Faith wants to do something. It's trusting Jesus for everything, and now it needs direction. It needs to be guided. So the Lord Jesus gives us the gift of neighbors. He gives us people around us so that our activity can be directed towards them. Our, our activity, in a certain sense, doesn't really need to be directed towards God because God doesn't need your good works. He's the one who gave them to you, but your neighbor does. Your neighbor needs you to love them. Your neighbor needs you to care for them. Your neighbor needs you to look after them. So this very hyperactive faith is given a neighbor so it has something to do. It has somebody to love. So what we're going to do these next two weeks is we're going to focus in on who it is that God has given us to care for. And we're going to think about our care taking place in sort of two different arenas. This week we'll talk about the arena of the church. 
how Christ has placed you here, and how he calls you to love and to serve and to care in the church. And then next week what we'll do is we'll talk about your life in the world, what it looks for, like you, uh, for you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in your various callings and vocations in the world. But this week our focus is on the church itself. Who are you called to care for in the church? Now, in order to do this, we've been working through uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 to think about the life of the disciple. And remember, Deuteronomy is this book where God is speaking to Israel. He sent his, service, his servant Moses to be their preacher. And Moses is reminding Israel that they have been set free from Egypt. God has brought them through the wilderness, and now he's taking them into the promised land, and he's telling them what life in the promised land is going to be like. And now today, to sort of guide our thinking, I want us to focus in on these words that Moses says to the Israelites as he's describing the promised land to them. This is what he says. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you. And then he begins to describe the land this way. With great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyard and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So in other words, everything in this world is to remind you of your Lord who has rescued you and redeemed you. Now notice this. This is, this is a remarkable passage. Because God is telling the Israelites, remember, not only has he rescued you, not only has he redeemed you, not only has he saved you, but he's also brought you into this land where you did no work and you received everything as a gift. You have houses here that you didn't build, city, build cities that you didn't develop. You have vineyards full of grapes and olive trees uh, and, and uh, fields full of olive trees that you didn't plant and wells that you didn't dig. Everything is here ready for you for the taking. Your entire life is a gift, God says to Israel. But of course, these gifts come with responsibility. You've received this, it's all yours, but of course now you have to take care of it. It's like getting a toy at Christmas. You don't get a toy at Christmas just to put it on the shelf and stare at it. You get at it to play with it. When you get a gift at Christmas, you play with it. When God gives you a promised land, you tend to it. You're responsible for it. You look after it. This is how Israel was to view the land that they had received, as pure gift and a responsibility that they had. Now, the reason I want us to think about these verses today, because there's a very similar thing taking place for us here in the church. But we have to understand something about life in the church, how different it is from Israel. Because as members of the kingdom of God, as members of uh, the, the as citizens of the, the kingdom of God, we need to recognize that we have not been given a kingdom with borders. We're not a geopolitical state. We're not a nation with agriculture and taxes and all that kind of stuff. No, uh, the church is not a nation like the world has nations. The church is a people united by faith. We haven't been given lands and wells and vineyards, but we have been given brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters that you didn't earn, brothers and sisters that perhaps you didn't choose, uh, people you didn't decide to be with, but rather Christ has brought you into this family and given you everybody sitting around you today as a gift, as a blessing, a gift and a blessing that you are responsible for. You have been made members 
of a body is one of the metaphors we heard. And Jim did a marvelous job with that in the children's message today. We heard from Paul in, in 1 Corinthians. You are members of a body where every member is responsible for every other member. You are a member of the family of Christ, surrounded this morning by brothers and sisters, by grace alone. As we think about life in this family, as we think about life in this body, what we have to recognize is that the way things work in this community, is they're very different from the way things work in the world. See, in the rest of the world, we're taught to view other people in a particular way. We're taught to ask this question, what can they do for me? How can this person improve my life, my health, my status, my position to make a Christian? How can this person improve my holiness. We look around at people and we think to ourselves, what can I do to get out of that person to make myself great? But this concept of greatness is completely flipped on its head in the kingdom of God. Because in the family of Christ, we do not pursue our own greatness. We pursue our neighbor in love. It's the very thing the disciples were arguing about today in our reading from the gospel. You remember this? Jesus is talking about how he's about to brutally suffer and die, and all the disciples can do is argue about which one of them is better than the other one. Must be delightful people to be around. Jesus will have none of it. Because the pursuit of greatness is counter to the way things work in the kingdom of God. It's completely counter, in fact, to the life of Christ itself. Think about Jesus. Jesus did not pursue greatness in the eyes of the world at all. You know what he pursued? He pursued his cross. You know what he pursued? He pursued you in love. He's the sort of Lord who lays down his life for his inferior subjects by treating them as though they are greater than himself. Think about that for a second. Think about how Jesus has done this for you. Jesus, the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, by whom and for whom and through whom all things were made, the high one, the exalted one, worshipped by angels, feared by nations, chose to exalt you by putting on your flesh, by suffering and dying in your place, by taking your cross and bearing the burden of your sins so that he might forgive you. Jesus has done all of this for you. He exalts you and chosen, has chosen to give you graciously all things. He has made you, by grace, a member of this body. And since he is the head of this body, the rest of the body learns to live by following its head. Since he is the head of the household, the rest of the family learns what it means to love by watching the head of the household. And so we are called, like Jesus, to love just as he loved us, St. John writes. Paul writes it this way in the book of Galatians when he says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. As you look around yourselves this morning, and you're all staring at me, you should probably be looking at other people too, stare around at and start looking around at the people around you right now. And as you see the people who are sitting around you, recognize that every member of this church matters to the body. Nobody here matters more than anybody else. And yet, the way you are to treat everybody sitting around you this morning is as though they are royalty. 
You are to live your life in sacrifice for their sake. Everybody sitting around you is to be shown the highest level of service and respect, of love, and to care. You and I who have been set free from sin, death, and the devil are bound to care for the brothers and sisters which Jesus Christ has given us. C.S. Lewis says it in a, in a truly marvelous way, as only C.S. Lewis can do, uh, in an essay entitled The Weight of Glory. Listen to these words. He says, It may be possible for each person to think too much of their own potential glory hereafter. In other words, it, it may be possible for us to think too much of ourselves. But it is hardly possible for them to think too often or too deeply about the glory of their neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it, and the backs of the proud will be broken. He goes on, next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your sense. Good line. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor, the people sitting around you in the sanctuary this morning, is the holiest object presented to your sense. Important for us to think this way in a culture where, which rewards ego, success, and gain, which exalts in greatness. The church, on the other hand, chooses to lose so that others might gain, chooses to serve so that others might be exalted, chooses to sacrifice so that others might live. I like how C.S. Lewis does this too, how he connects it here to uh, the sacrament of the altar. I mean, think about what a treasure we have every Sunday when we gather here to receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ in the sacrament of this altar. Christ comes into the bread and into the wine and he gives you his body and he gives you his blood to eat and drink for the forgiveness of your sins. But he gives you sort of a communal meal, a family meal, where we sit down and we dine together. St. Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, just as, just as with a loaf of bread there are many grains that create the loaf, so it is in the family of God. The many members create the one body. So we sit down at this altar with the body of believers and we feast on the body of Christ together. When you come to the sacrament, you receive Jesus and you receive your neighbors who are sitting around you. We feast as one together. It is a marvelous gift, and, it, and it's got me thinking maybe all of the work, all of the effort, effort, all of the tithing and the offerings and the giving, everything we're doing in this church should really be aimed at that moment, making pathways available for everyone in the church to make sure that they are joining us at the altar together. If all of our work is geared toward bringing the family of Christ together to rejoice and celebrate. It is a marvelous gift to receive this sacrament and to receive our brothers and sisters. But just like with the Israelites moving into the promised land, with this great blessing comes great responsibility. We are, in fact, our brothers and sisters' keepers. So when the members of the body hurt, when the people around you at the altar are hurting, we all hurt together. And we use all the resources we have to help and to heal. When our brothers and sisters around the altar with us are sinning, we rebuke them and we forgive them. When they hunger, we give them food. When they're looking for work, we help them find a job. 
when they're looking for a place to live. We do what we can to help them find housing. When they're financially strapped, we take care of them. When they're afraid, we hug them and we comfort them and we pray with them. And in all of this, it is Christ who is working through us to provide comfort and hope and care for the least, for the suffering, for the sorrowful, for those that are weak and lowly and burdensome in the eyes of the world. Those that are weak and burdensome in the eyes of the world, well, they are the great ones in the eyes of Jesus. And Jesus has given you his eyes. Which makes us need to, this forces us, forces us I think, to think about all the activity that we do here in the church. Is our activity just for the sake of being busy? Or to make sure it looks like our church is active? Or is everything we're doing here geared towards helping us hear and learn and care? Is everything we are doing here working so that our brothers and sisters will be with us at this altar to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ? I mean, this is really what's going on here. Like, for example, when it comes to our tithing, when it comes to our offerings. We're giving to this church not just because uh, we want to keep the lights on, but we do like keeping the lights on. And in the summer, the air conditioning is kind of nice. But we give because it's an act of love and sacrifice to make sure that we have a place to gather and to receive the sacraments together, to make sure that the ministries continue to take place here so people are cared for and so they are served. That's why it's so important for us uh, to be giving of ourselves and even of our finances to the church. Think about time and volunteering. People who sit on that soundboard matter immensely. Without people sitting on the soundboard, we don't get to hear everything. Without people running the screens, we can't see the songs up on the screens. We don't get to record this and put this stuff up online. Without ushers there to hand out bulletins and guide people around and help them, people get lost around here. Without people working the information booth, people might not know what's going on at our church and might not feel welcome. Without people serving coffee, I don't stay awake. There's a lot of important things. Every part of the body works together. Everyone who volunteers and gives of their time is contributing to the life of the body and helping us gather to receive Jesus Christ together at the altar. Listen, the Lord has given you a family. He has surrounded you with people that he calls you to care for. He calls you to care for everyone in the church that God gives to you. And he calls them to care for you as well. And if this seems too much, if it seems quite a burden to care for the church, remember this. The Lord Jesus will carry that burden for you and he will carry that burden with you. All the while that you serve the church, Jesus Christ cares for you as he feeds you and nourishes you and strengthens you with his body and his blood to forgive your sins and strengthen your faith. We read in 1 Corinthians, you have been baptized into the body of Christ. Christ has sacrificed everything for you and you are a part of the family. Here at Community Lutheran Church, we trust this promise that Jesus Christ cares for you. And guess what? So do we. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you you have forgiven our sins and through that forgiveness united us together in faith we pray O oh lord that we would be a church that recognizes our responsibilities to care for those you have given us in this place 
Help us to recognize the needs of those around us and to meet those needs with the abilities you have provided for us. Lord, help us to be good stewards of our resources so that we might serve you faithfully and love our neighbors and care for all of their needs. Be with us, Lord. Teach us to follow you faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Having heard the word of the Lord, I invite you to please rise as we continue by confessing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 